It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Thursday, July 28th, 2022. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. Voters will now decide whether to fund a marine haulout using money from the sale of Sitka Community Hospital. When the Sitka Assembly met last night, it approved a ballot proposition asking voters to tap the city's permanent fund to cover the costs of the project. KCAW's Catherine Rose reports. Sitka's commercial fishing fleet has been without a haul-out since the spring, but plans to build one have been in the works for the last two years, following the closure of a privately owned haul-out that serviced most local vessels. But finding funding for a haul-out has been a challenge, and after pursuing several paths, the assembly hit a dead end and went back to the drawing board. Sponsors of the resulting ballot proposition see using $8.1 million from the sale of the community hospital building as trading one asset for another. By charter, the proceeds of the sale were automatically deposited in the Sitka Permanent Fund. Only a vote of citizens can withdraw it. Several community members spoke in support, including Chris Yested, who said a haul-out would go beyond supporting the fleet. It would support Sitka's economy. We have one of the largest fleets in Alaska. And right now, we do not have a way to maintain it. There are two boats that I can think of this year that just spent six figures, each one of them, in Wrangell. That was not here. And it should have been. And they both said that it should have been. They wanted it to be done here uh, because they are Sitkins and they want to bring business here. Nancy Yaw Davis said while she wants a haul out in Sitka, she would vote no in October and wanted to know if any other ways to spend the money had been considered. What really bugged me here is I don't know if all $8 million has already been dedicated to one economic aspect of our complex city. Is that the only thing that was ever discussed for the use of that money? Did you ever discuss other possible uses? You're kidding. I thought I just missed it. When the ballot proposal was first considered by the Assembly in early July, concerns about drawing money from Sitka's permanent fund were discussed. Foremost is the loss of about $340,000 a year in interest that supports Sitka's general fund. Sponsor Tor Christensen said at the end of the day, he believes that a haul-out in the community would make up for those losses in sales tax revenue. And honestly, I wouldn't support going to the permanent fund for something that wasn't an economic engine because... Every dollar that's spent out there will be taxed at, we'll call it 5.5%. Back in the napkin, that's about, if we see $6 million worth of economic activity, and that means everything. That means haul-out fees, that means people working on boats, that means people buying bottom-painted LFS. Uh, And I don't think that's an unreasonable number to, to hit at least once it's up and running. Most assembly members were in favor of the measure, including Crystal Duncan, who said she supported taking it to the voters, but worried that the $8.1 million figure wasn't telling the whole story, that more planning and money would be needed to get the project across the finish line. I'm thinking as somebody goes into the ballot box, I don't expect them to research intensely. And so if I saw it, and I'm looking at it right now, as it reads, it looks like 8.1, we'll get it done. We're going to take it from here, put it there. We're going to have a marine haul out. And I don't know if we're fully there. Christensen said 8.1 million would get boats out of the water, but building out the haul out beyond a bare bones version would require more capital. It's around the same amount the city asked for when it applied for a federal raise grant back in April. And it's possible that the grant could still come through this September. That would offset some of the costs to Sitka's permanent fund. 
City Administrator John Leach said there were still a lot of unknowns, but getting the money could help Sitka leverage more money from the feds. There's a lot that could happen here. Um, but right now, uh, if if this doesn't go to the voters and, and if grant monies don't come in, we're at a stand or we're at a point where it's zero dollars or money from this sale. Those are really our only two choices left right now. And we keep our fingers crossed waiting for waiting for grant funding to come through. Assemblymember Kevin Knox was the lone vote against the measure on first reading. He voiced concerns that tapping the city's permanent fund, albeit for a good cause, was not without risks. When we're taking monies out of the permanent fund that has a diversity of investments um, and putting it into one sector, we do. We are running a risk. Uh, if there's a collapse in our fisheries, if there's a collapse in you know, tourism or other things like that, that um, some of these uh, these boats that would rely on the haul out uh, happens. Um, and then the haul out ends up failing or becoming a, a greater liability on the city, uh, we will have to make up for that somehow. Knox said it was unlikely he would support the measure at the polls, but he supported putting it in front of the voters for consideration. The measure passed 6-0, to zero, making it the second ballot prop that voters will get to weigh in on this fall. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Catherine Rose. The Sitka Assembly is throwing its support behind a Senate bill to study the history and effects of residential boarding schools in the United States. Bill 2907 was introduced in the U.S. Senate last fall and is now being reviewed by the Senate Committee on Indian Affairs. If signed into law, it would establish a Truth and Healing Commission to investigate the impacts and ongoing effects of Indian boarding school policies in the U.S., policies that, quote, stripped American Indian, Alaska Native, and Native Hawaiian children of their indigenous identities, beliefs, and languages to assimilate. The Assembly Resolution also invites the future commission to visit Sitka, which was the home of the first boarding school established by Americans in Alaska in 1878 by Presbyterian missionaries. The memo from the sponsors outlines some of the history of the Sitka Industrial and Training School, founded by Sheldon Jackson. Among other practices, the residential school advocated an English-only policy, which forbade the use of indigenous languages and cultural practices and beliefs. Assemblymember Crystal Duncan said the effects of residential school policies remain visible today. The truth is we don't have to look far to find primary sources. We are the products, we're the descendants of them. For me, I have my parents who both attended school here at Mount Edgecombe and how they got there. Um, we don't go into detail, but we know it wasn't all bad. We're not saying that, but we know more than not, uh, folks had pretty difficult experiences as they went through the residential school system. So I think uh, we brought up that this is an important conversation that needs to take place. And I say that because 10 years ago, we weren't willing to have those conversations publicly. During public comment, Rachel Roy voiced support for the resolution. It's not very far removed. My grandfather was brought here from Cake, and he never went back to Cake um, and went to Sheldon Jackson when it was a school. And, you know, so there's a lot of work. And there's a lot of really raw, real work that needs to be done. 
The Assembly unanimously passed the resolution in support of the bill, which remains in Senate committee for now, with its first hearing held late last month. It has 24 co-sponsors, 23 are Democrats, and the 24th is Alaska Senator Lisa Murkowski. There is only one species of abalone native to Alaska waters, and a new project is underway to try to find ways to boost its depleted numbers. As reported in the Alaska Beacon, an Alaska Sea Grant program is examining ideas for strengthening the state's vulnerable population of pinto abalones, also known as northern abalones. That has started with a new abalone working group, which is conducting surveys of people in southeast Alaska where pinto abalones are part of indigenous tradition. The reception so far has been enthusiastic, says Ashley Bulwark, the Alaska Sea Grant fellow leading the community engagement aspect of the project. The story of abalone is actually really different from place to place in southeast Alaska. Here in Sitka, we've seen a lot more abalone in recent years. Um, Other places still do not have very many, and there are places yet who have always had a lot of abalone and didn't see as big of a decline as we did here in Sitka. So the story really is drastically different from place to place. So as we have conversations about abalone, I think everybody's interested in more availability of abalone. It's such a cherished resource, um, both for food and for its customary and traditional uses. And just, it's a really charismatic organism. Bulwark lives in Sitka and is working on a fellowship with the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. Pinto abalones are found as far south as Baja, California, and as far north as southeast Alaska. But throughout the range, the numbers have been sparse and uneven. That inconsistency extends to the Alaska populations. Taylor White grew up in Sitka and is now a doctoral student at the University of California at Santa Cruz. She's been researching abalone in Sitka Sound for the last eight years. White has joined the abalone working group to learn more about the distribution of abalone and their relationship to sea otters. I am mostly focused on this next project, next portion of this dissertation um, on Sitka Sound and the effects of harvest of sea otters and abalone in the area. And so looking at sort of illustrating that history of use in the sound, which is sort of, and pairing it with some of the data that I've collected over the last eight years to get a better idea of just the patterns and trends that we've been seeing in the sound. Pinto abalones live for 15 to 20 years and reproduce slowly and in irregular patterns, making them inherently at risk for depletion. The species is classified as endangered in British Columbia and Washington state. Commercial harvest of abalone in Alaska ended in 1996, though some very small-scale subsistence and personal use harvests continue in parts of southeast. The working group hopes to wrap up the survey in August. Results are expected to be presented to communities over the winter. From there, the working group will consider potential rebuilding actions. You can find a link to the Alaska Sea Grant Abalone Survey on our website, kcaw.org. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News.